Well, hey there, Simeon here. Welcome back to my YouTube channel. Thanks for being here. Uh, a few weeks ago, I did an interview with host Gary Anderson of the show Night Dreams Talk Radio. We were talking about my new book, Dark Matter Monsters, Cryptids, Ball Lightning, and the Science of Secret Life Forms. We had a really interesting interview. We talked about remote viewing and UFOs, related phenomena, and also Bigfoot and cryptids. And as soon as the interview was over, Gary said, you know, there's something I uh, want to mention to you. I had an experience with Bigfoot too. And Gary proceeded to tell me about how he and a friend of his went up to Canada to take pictures, to kind of have a photography vacation. And they had an incredible and terrifying encounter with a Bigfoot type creature. I thought it was so interesting, I asked Gary to share it with us because I know you'd be interested in it. Now, some of the things that Gary describes in this encounter are the really loud screaming sounds that the creature made, the unbearable pungent smell that made him feel like he was choking, uh, the creature throwing things at the car, doing a huge amount of damage, and the severe impact on his friendship with this doctor who never wanted to talk about it again and as you'll hear Gary talk about at the end of the interview wouldn't even come on to talk about it for this interview it's quite an incredible story I think you're going to enjoy it so here it is take a look and towards the end of the story Gary also tells how he got involved with his 49 year career in broadcasting meeting Art Bell and even John Lear so Enjoy, and we'll talk to you soon. So, Gary, welcome, and thank you for accepting my invitation to re tell me the story that you told me after our first interview a couple couple months ago. Well, what I can tell you is what yeah. I've seen, and I'm going to go. Well, I'm gonna, before we go into that, I'm going to a little thing about it. You know, I've been in broadcasting for years, and I took a two year break because I got burned out in broadcasting, and I was offered a job being a uh, uh, general manager of a large photography uh, store. Mm -hmm. And I took that and I became friends with a medical doctor. And we would go out on the weekends and take pictures because my passion besides radio has always been photography. And we got went up and down the West Coast doing lighthouses and stuff like that. And one day he came into the store and he goes, hey, let's go up to the Canadian Rockies. And, you know, like a moron I was at that time, I said, sure, let's, let's go do that. So we packed up and got into our vehicle, which was my wife's car, because she didn't think my car would be dependable enough to go that far. And she just bought her car like two weeks before that. So we packed it up. We went through Vancouver and then we decided to go up to the Canadian Rockies. And we were looking for like old ghost towns old silver mines, old cemeteries to photograph. And somebody on the way told us about an old Japanese internment camp up in the Canadian Rockies where they used to, during World War II, hold Japanese prisoners. And the reason for that is out in the middle of nowhere. They're not going to run away very easily. So we located the uh, Japanese internment camp. This was like the year 2001. It was the first week of June. I remember that. 
I also remember it was so beautiful going up there. There's like lakes and rivers and ponds everywhere. Still snow on the ground, by the way. And, uh, well, we found the place where the internment camp was. We drove the car as far as we could go. And then we had to walk in maybe about two miles in the woods. And the first way we came was a old cemetery, which was dug up because I guess after the war, they returned the bodies of the prisoners that died in the internment camp back to Japan. But we were photographing that. So we made our way to what was left of the internment camp, which was nothing much. Uh, a couple buildings collapsed. There was a, if I remember right, there was a creek there. There was some mining equipment and there was a uh, base of a mountain there, which evidently probably was a silver mine or something. And, you know, we we're getting pictures and it was, we were both using digital cameras. Uh, uh, that's when digital cameras were first starting to come out. And I had a telephoto on my camera. My friend, who was a medical doctor, had a wide angle. And he goes, oh, Gary, look at that huge bear across the creek. So I, 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 I took my camera and I swung around. I'm thinking, I'm going to get this beautiful, beautiful shot of this bear. And at the same time I swung around my camera, I noticed... It didn't look like a bear. And about the same time as I focused on the camera, the creature, that's what I'm going to call it, the creature noticed me and it screamed. The loudest scream you could ever imagine. And then it echoed because it was a base of that mountain right there. And the next thing I know, the thing is like coming across the creek. And me and my friend are freaked out. I had my camera bag there with a bunch of lenses. It's still there unless somebody found them. The thing came towards us. And here's what I noticed, which a lot of people claim that Bigfoot run on two legs. This ran between two legs and four legs. And I only turned my head around a couple of times going back to through the woods, which we had to go through two miles of woods. And I became separated also with my friend. But a couple of times I did turn around. I noticed the thing was running between two legs and four legs, which really, you know, freaked me out all the more. And uh, I just remember that the fear it was going in me because, again, I know what a bear looks like. This thing did not look like a bear. When I noticed it across the creek, I'm going to kind of... Uh, describe what my memory was of it. It was about, I would say, between seven and eight feet tall, over 500 pounds. It did not have long, shaggy hair like a lot of people say Bigfoot has, but it had longer hair on it. The head of it reminded me kind of like a prehistoric man, kind of mixed in with the face of an ape, you know, the no uh, nostrils of an ape type mm -hmm. of thing. And it, the head was big and it did not have like we have a long neck. I didn't notice much of a neck on it. That is one thing that was really puzzling when I first saw it. And I did see flesh on its forehead and parts of its face. So his face wasn't 100% covered with hair, which a lot of people say it is. Now, 
going back, we 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 get back uh, to the car. I get there first, and I am now. I'll be honest with you. I was so scared. I I peed myself. Mm-hmm. And I was in Vietnam, and I've been through firefights, and never had that accident before. That's how scary scary it was. Yes. Yeah. Something, you know, when your whole life, I never believed in Bigfoot. I've seen the movies and all that stuff, you know, the B movies, the Bigfoot and stuff. And I used to laugh at them. And whatever I saw, it, it was indescribable. I, I get in the car and I noticed maybe 25 feet away from us approximately, it was standing or its mate or companion was standing right there. And there was a tree. It was maybe about four inches in diameter, give or take. It was like bending it over like a twig. And (laughs) the thing was like screaming. Like you would not believe. And it it had larger teeth, you know, not like fang type of teeth. But I I remember its mouth, it was open and it was screaming loud. Mm -hmm. uh, Louder than any human could scream. Even an opera uh, opera singer couldn't sing uh, yell that loud. Was it high pitched or or lower pitch? It was medium to high pitch. Medium to high pitch. And it, you know, and I, the windows were even up in the car at that point, and it was coming in. Here's another thing: the smell was so bad. You have to understand. Again, this was the first week of uh, June up there. It was still probably in the about the 40s in the temperature, so it wasn't really warm. And it was chilly. And between the smell of urine, feces, and if you took like musk and then took the hottest pepper in the world and combined it together. Wow. It was burning my throat so bad. My nostrils, I couldn't breathe. It literally was like hurting my lungs. That's how pungent it was. And I'm freaked out. I I start the car. I forget about my friend. I, I totally forget about them. All I could think about, I have to get the hell out of there. And I remember starting the car, shoving it in reverse. And then about the same time I was doing that, my friend grabbed on the car door. And I remember honestly dragging him. And I, I, I kind of like sobered up real quick and I go, oh my God, I'm going to kill him. And I stopped and he got in and he did have some, you know, uh, bruises and his leg is actually was even, uh, bleeding from being drugged and he gets in the car and you know he's freaked out and the next thing i know the car like shakes hmm. and like and there was a big crashing to the side of the car and uh we took off we uh drove maybe about 10 to 15 miles and we found a little old store uh you know and we stopped at that store and we Notice that the passenger door was just, well, from where the hinges were, was mashed in and part of the fender on the passenger side. Yeah. Your door was caved in. So whatever it threw, a big rock or whatever, it was big enough to do massive damage to the door. Mm-hmm. And so we go into the uh, store and uh, the guy knew something was wrong with us right away. Maybe because I still was kind of wet and smelled like urine. That was probably yeah. a giveaway. And the guy goes, what's wrong? What's wrong? And, you know, we didn't want to say. And then we finally, I broke down and my, my friend broke down. And we said, we saw a Bigfoot. And the guy goes, yeah, 
there's Bigfoot up here. There, you know, there's been reports of them quite a quite often. And 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 uh, the other part it really scared me even more is we were up there with no weapons at all. Now, being a United States citizen up in Canada, you can't bring any guns or anything with you. Right. We we didn't even have bear spray. No nothing. And the guy said a week before that. A week before that, a guy just and his wife, just a few miles from that store, went mm-hmm. hiking, and his wife tripped and sprained her leg, and he went back to get help. And by the time he got the help to go help his wife, they found her, what was left of her. Bears were eating her. Wow. So, you know, these people who go out looking for Bigfoot, you know, and, and come up with, you know, I don't need any weapons. I can talk to them. Yeah. Or they sent orbs and stuff like that. They're, they're risking their life because not even about a Bigfoot. But like I was telling you before we did this interview, I mean, there's all kinds of creatures out in the woods like bobcats, you know, yeah. cougars, mountain lions, bears. It all can take your life really easy. If you hurt yourself out in the middle of somewhere like that. You're, you, you, you basically are not going to survive. And these people go out there and they're not prepared for it. And that's what alarms me and scares me. And, you know, I'm doing so many interviews. I have done literally probably a good thousand through the years of people claiming they saw Bigfoot. You know, the majority of them doesn't match up uh, with what I um, uh, encountered. Now, back two years ago on my show, I had Ed Roman. And in Canada, he's like one of the top folk singers in in Canada. Very well known. He's won major awards. And he heard my show one time when I finally, I, I kept it quiet for years about my encounter. Because I didn't want people to think maybe I had mental issues. And he heard my show. And he said, well, hey, Gary, I want to come on your show. I had an encounter. I got a farm up here in British Columbia mm-hmm. that is next to the forest. And I would go out with my dog, you know, on nice days. And we would go down on this trail and go for a couple mile walk out into the forest. And one day we encountered a Bigfoot. And he said the same thing I noticed that it, when it started running, it went from two legs to four legs to two legs to and the only thing I can surmise is to build up speed. I don't know. Right, right. Hmm. But if you got any more questions, I'm more than happy to, you yeah. know. Well, yeah, a couple more things. What was the color of the hair or fur? It was a, I would say, dark brownish. Now, the hair was maybe a couple inches in length. It wasn't long and shaggy. Like you see all these videos of people doing Bigfoot fakes and all this stuff. They had long. Yeah. I, I didn't see that. Right. I, I didn't see that. And not so much on the face. So the face was more. The, the, face, the face, I would say, was probably 75% hair, but it was at least 25% non-hair. Mm-hmm. Because again, around the, the forehead wasn't much hair on it and again i i didn't have a lot of time to stare at this i'll be honest with you yeah and and i know around the nostril area there was areas that were flesh and again i noticed the head was a little bit it was big for its size it it just didn't quite match up with the size of the body 
And it did, his head was very close to the shoulder, so it didn't have much of a neck. Like we've heard from other accounts. Yeah. 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 And I, I do notice that I did notice that the arms were long. And they were long. Long they arms. Were long. And I and I think that's what they do. They use their arms again with their legs to build up speed when they have to. And more like you said, more like caveman appearance, like human caveman with some ape features. Is that what yeah, you're yeah, yeah. Prehistoric. Prehistoric. There are those descriptions. Some people say it just wasn't it was a caveman. That's what some people say sometimes, you know. So well, that, if, again, I wouldn't say a caveman, but it no, had, no, no, with ape-like yeah. features, yeah, a little more in that direction. Of uh, <laughs> now, when you told me this story a couple, two months ago or so, you mentioned that on the way back after the store, that your friend said he didn't want to ever talk about it again. He became concerned about what people well, he, think. Is that yeah, right? He was very concerned because he just finish his residency. Uh, he's a medical doctor. He was opening a practice up in Puyallup, Washington. And he was really concerned because, number one, his father was a Superior Court judge and his, his brother was attorney and they were actually funding his medical practice. And he was so terrified because now opening up his first medical practice, what would his patients think if he got associated and seeing a Bigfoot. And he was really, really concerned about that. Yeah, and so this has sort of caused some conflict between you two because he you were kind of wanting to see what he had seen and he was just saying, I'm not I'm not talking it didn't happen, right? I'm not well, talking pretty much he didn't, you know, it ruined our friendship. I weren't saying we were the best friends, but we would you know, we went out and took a lot of pictures together. Yeah. You know, for a couple months before this happened. And you know, we were, I guess, fairly good friends, I guess, if you really look at it that way. But he was so worried about even his wife that he recently married. He was worried about her, everybody. He was associated with this because he just was scared what would happen. Right. Uh, and I don't blame him the more I thought about it. But I wanted to go forward on it because, you know, here's the point. Also, it put a big uh, uh, stress on our marriage at the time. Because, mm-hmm. again, it was my wife's new car. It was her first new car she ever bought. Wow. On her own. Yeah. And it was like two weeks old. And I have to call her up and say, look, the car, you know, is badly damaged. Because it yeah. was. It was a back, even then it was like about $5,000 damage to it. About 5000 yeah. And this is back in 2001. So, you know, they had to replace the fender, the door. They had to do some, you know, some other stuff to it. And here's the thing. My wife goes, what did you hit? Now, I'll be honest with you. I, I smoked marijuana when I was in Vietnam, but I haven't done it since then. Right. You know, I don't drink. I don't smoke. I don't do anything. I eat a lot of food and I like being fat. But it, it, again, how do you sit there and tell your wife? Well, honey. I didn't get in an accident. This is what happened. We were at this internment camp, and yeah. this creature followed us back and threw a huge boulder or a whatever, and that's what the damage was on your car. Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, it, she never believed it. She still doesn't believe it. 
Uh, every so often, my producer will even make a joke about it on the air and cause me problems with my wife. She listens to the show. But how do you call up your insurance company and say, yeah. hey, look, you know, I was involved in this incident up in the Canadian Rockies. Yeah. And, you know, they want to know what happened. Well, yeah. what, do you, what do you say to them? Well, I was running back after we encountered a Bigfoot and it threw something on the car and, and did the damage. I mean, you know, you, that, that's something you have to hold back. So you, you didn't make an insurance claim? Oh, I did, but I didn't tell. I, I told him I didn't know what happened. I said I came back to the car and it was that oh, way. Okay, okay, yeah. W Gary, was it, you mentioned one big blow against the car. Was it just one big object that did that, like a it, trunk? Yeah, it was, or it was big because it, it shook the car. Shook the and, car. I mean, you know, and I didn't realize, too, we got uh, to the, um, uh, the little store when my friend tried to get out he couldn't open the door so when we got out and looked at the car like i said the fender from the middle of the fender to about the middle of the door mm -hmm. was caved in it was just caved in just caved in yeah i've heard other reports like that i just have never heard one as visceral as yours where i could talk to the person it was just you know, so I always wasn't sure, but now we know it's just like what you said. That's what people have reported. Well, here's another thing I'm going to say. People have come back to me that I've heard the story and said, well, it was trying to scare you. Right. Honestly, I honestly feel to this day. Yeah. Okay. And again, I've been in a lot of firefights in my life. Yeah. I really feel if we wouldn't have got to the car when we did, if we would have hesitated, Mm -hmm. I probably wouldn't be talking to you right now. I think it would have killed us. Wow. Because it, it was that aggressive. I yeah. mean, it was not like, hey, I'm sending you orbs of love. This was nothing but uh, uh, wanting to attack us. Right. It, it, it had its chance when it was on that other side of that creek. Yeah. It could have just took off and, and ran, right. ran away. Right. But it didn't. It came, it chose to come across that creek. And to come after us. Your friend was behind you. So did the Bigfoot uh, pass your friend or was the Bigfoot? I have no idea. Because no, we don't know. He, he, when I took off running, I ran to the fastest direction I thought where the car would be. Got it. And I'm sure he did too, which wasn't probably following me. Because he, right. he told me, he you know, because he was behind me getting back to the car at least two minutes, three minutes. So, I mean, you know, undoubtedly he he, he kind of deterred the, the way getting back to the car. Right. And so this is this is kind of a sensitive question, but did you have nightmares about it afterwards? I still do. You, you still I honestly do. do, because I grew up as a, a, a camper. I, I loved going camping. My, that's what my father would do with me and my brother. We would go out and we'd go hiking spend the night occasionally up in the mountains or out in the forest. We Almost every weekend, I remember from about 8 to about 13 years old, we'd be out, you know, on a nice weekend, out hiking somewhere. And, you know, I, I loved nature. So when we had our kids, we went camping, you know. And again, we've been everywhere from Oregon to Idaho, Montana, you know, a lot around Mount Rainier camping. Yep. And mm -hmm. and here's another thing. I didn't see any of these structures that I see all these people you see on Facebook or on Twitter or mm -hmm. 
and or you know everywhere you go of these structures of uh, Bigfoot making these structures for yeah. uh, sleeping. And if you really look at it, here's what puzzles me. I can't believe because people come up to me and they go, "Well, how did you see a Bigfoot?" And all that. But here's the thing. The people, I just can't buy. You could go into a campground, right? And go on a trail and walk a quarter of a mile and you see a structure from a Bigfoot right off the trail. That don't make sense. Mm-hmm. Of a trail that people would be walking on day, day and night during the summertime. Right. Why would they do it? And why, if they put a structure together, why don't they, they, they make it waterproof? Why would they just put a bunch of trees together? And, and, and if you look at it, these structures are not tall enough, a lot of them, to support even a Bigfoot to get in and out of. Right. So I, I, I'm really puzzled with that. But here's the thing I really thought about, because I never believed in Bigfoot, is you're not going to find a Bigfoot in, near your local campground. You're not going to go find one out looking for one is it took me being out in the the middle of the Canadian Rockies and I wasn't looking for one Mm -hmm. and we ran into one. Yeah. So, I mean, I, that's what puzzles me with, I hear a lot of stories about people claiming that they are out looking for Bigfoot and they hear all these, you know, tree slaps and all this stuff. I didn't hear any tree slaps either. I can tell you that. It's really puzzling, isn't it? You do have all these different types of encounters, and a lot of them are like yours, where people, they just run into them, and it's not always friendly. <laughs> like, your encounter well, can be worse. At, be worse. Yeah, Yeah. if you look at the series of 411 missing books, okay? Yeah. yeah. A lot of people go out in the woods, and they vanish. Now, again, if you're out there a couple miles and you break your leg, you're dead. Yeah. Because you're not going to get back. You even break your foot, you're not going to get back, most likely. It, it, the, the again is why would you find a Bigfoot near a campground? That that don't make sense. Well, there is the feeling they like human food, so it could be one reason. You know, it smells good. Well, maybe, but again, maybe they like humans also. So, are you suggesting because uh, this is a big mystery? And there's lots of ideas. Are you suggesting some of the 411 missing are related to the type of creature that you came across? I think so. Yeah. I think people have been out too far. They ran across something. And again, you know, I I don't buy this. Like, let's face it. Not every Bigfoot watched the Father Knows Best and Donna Reed show at Leave It to Beaver, did they? No. So they weren't growing up the way we were with compassion and love. Right. They're not going to think like we do. So if you encounter one, maybe it will run away from you because it's scared of you like you're scared of it. But maybe, just like anything, you run into it at the wrong place, the wrong time. It's going to be like anything. It's going to defend its territory. Yeah. And if you happen to be there at the wrong time, you could go missing. That's all I'm saying. Right. Seems plausible. Seems- I think it's very plausible. I, I know my uncle, you know, he shot a bear and he didn't do the kill shot. And that bear literally tore him up or to the day he died, he was scarred up. And, you know, it was on um, YouTube and on the news. There was a hunter up in Alaska here uh, last year that encountered a bear. And he didn't have the kill shot either. And the bear literally tore the guy's face off. Wow. 
and you know and uh, i don't want to get gross but as i you know he had a cell phone and he was recording it and he was in shock and he goes well i got the bear his eye was hanging out demon now now from the story i read in the news and stuff they managed to put the guy's face somewhat back together but here's the thing people go out there and they think that you know things like this doesn't happen and right. every time you go out in the uh, out there you gotta be prepared for something. You you gotta have bear spray. You gotta and a handgun isn't gonna stop one of these things. By the way, I'm, I'm telling you that right now. Mm-hmm. And when I talked to the authorities, even up there in in Canada that time about bear spray, because they wanted to know, you know, if I had bear spray, and I said no. And they actually said two things can happen with bear spray. One, it's gonna cause the bear to take off. Two, it's gonna piss it off more. Oh, so, right. yeah. So, you know, that, so that, that's one thing. Yeah. That is, so overall, you don't go outdoors as much as you used to. You don't just hit the trail. I, ever since that, I, I no, I, ever since yeah. then, mm-hmm. I have not gone camping. And that really, you know, upset my wife. We even had an RV motorhome. Yeah. A, yeah. A diesel pusher. Yeah. Big, and I, I sold it all. I said, I, I'm done. You're never going to, I'm never going to go camping. I never go on a vacation again. That was it. That was I, I, totally killed it for me. It's astounding, Gary, hearing you say this. I have heard this from other people, or I've read the stories, just like what you're saying. People sell the camper. They stop hunting forever. They don't want to go out. I even have to say a friend of mine who encountered one in Arizona, you know, uh, northern Arizona about a year ago, just told me about two weeks ago she started taking hikes again. Yeah. It took it about does, a year. It took about a year. It affects you. It, and again, to me, I, 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 these what I seen was flesh and blood. Right. And it didn't give me any orbs of love or, you know, of like, hey, don't be scared. The thing is, they're not humans. They're not going to mm-hmm. respond as humans. And if you think they can telecommute with you at a human level, I don't think that's going to happen. I'm sorry. I mean, I've talked to so many people like I was in my trailer and my wife can summon a Bigfoot just mm-hmm. by thinking about it. And a Bigfoot will come and knock on the side of the trailer. I don't yeah. buy that. I just don't buy stuff like that. I'm sorry. But but Gary, it's also possible that your experience is people have other experiences, too, because you remember Ron talking about how you could never see them. Uh, he would walk outside the structure really quickly, put the microphones in the wall. And they were invisible, right? Yeah. I mean, this is what we can't figure out. There's your type of encounter. And then there's the ones where people say they look like saran wrap. They turn into saran wrap. I mean, well, again, you know, I've had scientists on the show, you know, talk about portals. Uh, the fifth dimension is very close to being broken. And maybe these things can, maybe can somehow go from another dimension, which we can't see in our dimension, yeah. and, and, and be interdimensional. I don't know. I didn't encounter that type of uh, encounter. Yeah. The encounter I had, it was a flesh and blood creature. Yeah. And it, 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 I can tell you one thing. It was scary. It was loud. It stunk. And it was aggressive. And yeah. it didn't show me any signs like, hey, I want to be your friend. <laughs> Have you ever talked to your doctor friend again, or did you go separate ways? He I talked want... to him this past week. And uh, what is he? <laughs> see if he'd come on with me, and he goes, "Hell no." But he he said he thanked me for bringing it up because he said it took him years 
years to get rid of the thought of it. Well, yeah, mean, he yeah. had one worse step than me. I almost ran over him when I was dragging him. Yeah, I mean, it, you know, he had a double whammy. He had the, the, the whatever it was that was after us. It wasn't like trying to scare. It was right at the car. If we wouldn't have got, if the car wasn't there, I don't, like I said, I don't think I'd been here. Do you think it might have destroyed the car? Uh, if we wouldn't have got, yeah, if we wouldn't have took off, it would have, yes. That being, if you would have saw the damage, that was it. But I think if we wouldn't have got in the car and got out of there, I don't think we would be, I wouldn't be, I wouldn't be alive. I, I'm telling you, that's how aggressive it was. No, I, 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 Gary, I really appreciate you sharing this because it's a different type of encounter than we often hear. And it gives us pause. And the next time we go out in the woods, we're going to think a little more. Remember your story. I did, I did want to ask you one thing, Gary. What yeah, did go you ahead. do? You've been involved with radio for 49 years. What did? What was your subject before Art Bell got you interested in these topics? Well, it has always been paranormal because when oh, I, for, when I, I after getting out of broadcasting training, my first job was going to be up in Battleground, Washington, in a radio station doing Top 40. And I remember a BG song was playing when. They, they hired me and they said, okay, you start next month. So I went and got the apartment, borrowed money from my parents, rented apartment, you know, moved me and my girlfriend at that time down to Battleground. I walk into the radio station and everybody is staring at me. And I'm thinking, oh my God, maybe my zipper's down. I, and it was rather in a, like a really scary type of stare. And then the secretary goes, uh, Gary, the station manager and the owner wants to talk to you and i'm now freaking out like oh my god i you know i borrowed money i moved here i'm not going to have the job and i go into the, the the office and they said well as you go on in the air in about 10 minutes we're no longer playing music we are talk radio got it got it and you know i'll, I'll be honest with you i was trained by two of the northwest Top DJs for top forty, yeah, not talk radio, you know. And and I remember going back and and sitting in the lobby for a couple minutes, you know, thinking, do I bail out and just get in the car and take off? And I looked at the newspaper, and at that time there was people missing up around the Vancouver uh, yes area, just vanishing hitchhikers and stuff, mm-hmm. and they figured it was a cult doing it. So I, I, you know, I figured, okay, this is a topic of the show. So I started talking about people hitchhiking, vanishing by maybe a cult, going through all this, you know, weird paranormal stuff. And then that's just like, you know, how it started, like with Art Bell. What was that? What year was that? Uh, That was in the, uh, I'd say, 73, somewhere around there. Yeah, classic rock era. Oh, yeah. When uh, did I, I will say this. A lot of people, don't, even with Art Bell, I'm just going to mention that. Yeah, you yeah. Bell. Art Bell was into talking about political stuff. Right. And John Lear came in because he was friends with Art Bell. And after Art did his little show that one night up in Las Vegas, uh, John goes, you know, I got an idea. You ought to think about this, Art. And Art goes, what is it? And he goes, paranormal. Talk about UFOs. Talk about aliens. Talk about, you know, things like that. And Art says, well, I'm going to try it. 
And wow. that's how art got started. That was from John. World renowned doing what he did. Wow. John. Yeah, John got him going. John. Yeah, John Lear did. When I met John once at one of the UFO conferences, he had just been on Art Bell the night or two before. I said, John, are things as bad as you said? He goes, no, they're worse. <laughs> oh, yeah. So. You know, I'll be honest with you. I only really got to know John Lear about the last six months before he passed. Yeah. yeah. And we didn't, for some reason, he didn't like me through the years. because Maybe because I was friends with Art Bell. I don't know. He didn't like me. But then, and he was really sarcastic. He would send me really mean emails. Mm. And, and then for one reason he, or not, he agreed to come on my show. Oh, well. mm. And then he came on and afterwards he said, you know what? I really should have been on your show for years. Yeah. You're, you know, and he really complimented and we became friends for the last six months of his life. Yeah. yeah. It was rather interesting. What, what I wanted to ask you, what was the year of this encounter in BC? with the Sasquatch. Uh, that would have been the first week, roughly, of June 2001. 2000, got it. Okay.